Welcome to Learning About Dogs, a podcast for people who love learning about dogs. I'm Sue McGuire, the manager of a canine behavior program at a small nonprofit animal shelter just north of San Francisco. And through the magic of technology, clear across the pond in a tiny village north of London is Kay Lawrence. And for those of you not in the know about the world of teaching dogs, Kay is one of the most influential and thought-provoking people in the world of dogs. Kay has authored books on clicker training, and she teaches people to live with dogs. Kay is a sought-after presenter at Clicker Expo and other conferences around the world. Eye contact. You know, I was teaching class the other night, um, and one of my clients said to me, but they're not looking at me. And I said, but your dog knows exactly where you are. Uh, The dog doesn't need to look at you. So talk about that. I mean, is that kind of like one of those fallacies that the dog needs to look at you? I think if somebody tried to train me to make eye contact with them when I'm teaching them or having a conversation, I would feel a little coerced. You know, I I want my eyes free to look at what's relevant rather than eye to eyeball, eyeball, you know. And I think some of the early, some of the early training um, advice goes back to the late nineties when everyone was experimenting with clicker training. And sure, you could clicker train your dog to look you in the eye so that their your eyeballs became your dog's visual target, and often at the expense of what you're doing with your hands. <laughs> So I've seen the dogs look at the eyes, look at the hand, look at the eyes, look at the hand, look at the eyes, look at the hand. So they can see when you're going to click or see when you're going to present a target or see where you're going to present the treat. And and to me, the dog should be free to look at what's relevant to them, because if we don't let them choose what's relevant to them, how would we know what's relevant to them? So I think this is one of those carry forwards from traditional training that's underpinning uh, modern applications, but the thought of still making my dog look at me is still, to me, old-fashioned. It's, it's sort of like, um, if I'm interesting enough and I'm valid enough in the environment that I'm in, my dogs will not take their eyes off me. But we shouldn't be trying to train the dogs to look at me to stop them looking at something else. If they need to look at something else, they should be free to look at something else. And that's information to us as to what's relevant to them at that moment in time. So if you're out in a place where the dog needs to be scanning the environment constantly, that gives you a good idea that they're not particularly comfortable with taking their eyes off the environment. It's good information. I want to suppress it. I think that uh, it, it gets confused in there when we are in so-called training environments, you know, in your barn, in my class. Um, how is that different? Well, but if you're training a dog and I approach you to have a look at what you're doing, give you some feedback, very often the first thing you do is take your eyes off your dog and look at me to have a conversation. Well, straight away that says to the dog, we're no longer training. It can also be quite um, sort of punishing for the dog to have your focus on them lost. But I can have a conversation with you. In actual fact, I usually take up the policy of standing behind the trainer so they can't look at me and take their eyes off their dog. <laughs> um, you know, making sure you've got that connection is the important bit, not whether you've got eyeball to eyeball. Especially with some of these predatory dogs, strong predatory dogs, that eyeball is, is, is more than what we think it is. Explain. 
Well, if, if, if a Border Collie looks at me in a certain way, I'm going to move. Same as a Malinois. <laughs> if that looks at me with a certain look, I'm going to move. I'm going to get out of the way. Yes. yes. <laughs> and I, I've seen I've seen folk accidentally train this predatory stare. And I'm like, ooh, no, I don't think so. No, 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 no. <laughs> you know, uh, the dogs having a conversation with you in training, they will look at what's relevant to them. And I think that's the whole of you, certainly from the knees upward. I wouldn't want the dogs necessarily watching your feet unless they're tiny, tiny dogs and have learnt how to keep out the way of your feet. But our balance, our relative shoulder position to our hips would give the dog a good idea of what we're intending to do. So if I'm intending to take a step forward, my shoulders would probably lean slightly forward to my hips. If I'm leaning to one side or the other, it's a sort of indication I'm heading that way. Or I might lean away from my pocket as I'm getting the treat out. So they'll want to see us from the knee upwards. And when you're training them, they'll often scan left hand, right hand, treat pot, eyeball, eyeball, treat pot, left hand, right hand, target left hand right hand treat you know and they sort of do this circuit around the whole lot to see where the information is coming from and we shouldn't tell them how to look at me that's interesting you know the same i I, I don't that is so interesting because i when you say that the dog will look at the hand the right hand the left hand the treat pot i think that there's a sense that the dog is uh, bouncing around too much that's all right okay Maybe the person's bouncing around. Maybe they are of Italian heritage and they talk with their hands a lot. Well, the dog's going to watch those hands. I used to have um, a border collie that was very good at actually training people when to click. So she'd look at the object, she'd look you in the eye, she'd look at the treats, she'd look at the hand with a clicker in it and give it the look. Mm. And then just nod her head as she looked at that hand and sure enough, people would click. (laughs) (laughs) Not on what they were trying to train, but she could get somebody to click just by looking at it. I'm giving a bit of a nod. So, so <laughs> because that is probably a not a good a strategy to teach direct eye contact, um, talk about what the handler is going to be doing. And that goes back to your clean training talk about being very aware of what your body is doing. Absolutely, all the time. Because the dog is certainly. Yeah. And the same as, you know, we might be looking at the dog, but we're not staring them directly in the eyes. We're looking to see if their tail moves just before they're going to sit, or we're looking to see if they are looking at the target, or we might be looking at the target. So who are we to say that they should look us in the eyeball? Yeah, I get, I I agree. I think it's one of those holdovers. I actually caught one of my staff people with a stray dog the other day, encouraging that look up at the eyeballs. And I was, (laughs) first of all, an unknown dog. Um, Don't put that kind of pressure Yeah, the best I saw, I had a guy come to class with a young Gordon setter puppy. I don't know why he came to class with me. And when he wanted the dog to pay attention to him, he would give that two-finger look. So he'd poke his own eyes with two fingers, you know, the first and second finger, and then do the same gesture at the dog and then back at himself. (laughs) How is the dog supposed to know that means look at me? At least it works underwater. And I'm going, okay, fine. Oh, I think your dog will look at you when when you're... actually doing something of relevance to them <laughs> it works underwater <laughs> look at me look at me oh but you know you go back 20 or 30 years and watch me was one of the standard cues followed by a choke you know a check on the collar pay attention to me because i'm the only thing that should be interested in you you know that sort of arrogance is going no no if you want me to look at you be interesting be, be worthwhile hmm. uh, 
how do we teach people to not worry about that so much? Not worry about that. Uh, let that go. Your dog knows where you are. Yes, and I think that that's valid. You know, if your dog's vision is um, horizontally much wider than ours, they can be standing at your side looking forwards and they know exactly what you're doing with your hands, whereas we might have to just turn our head slightly to see what our partner would be doing with their hands. Um, but is this, uh, is it not this arrogance coming back again is about they must pay attention? You know, gone are the days when all the class, pay attention class, everyone should look at me. Yeah, I think it's just a, back to the, that little lot of um, dominance, you know. Mm. It's only me. Mm. I'm the only important thing to you in this environment. Yeah. But I also think you have to teach clearly, you know, when you say you're in the training environment, are you talking about a class for an hour? Exactly. I wouldn't expect my dog to focus on me for an hour. They might have two or three minutes, 100% focus on me, and then they take a break for two or three minutes and they can watch all the other dogs in the room. It's this, the key thing is to be able to make sure you clearly say, take a break, and this is where I put the dogs into park, or let's be doing some training. And at this point, I start opening up with the reinforcement process. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's not half and half. It's not an odd sit and an odd down and a treat and a treat. And then the person has a look around the room or listens to the instructor. And then 30 seconds later, they come back and do a bit more. Well, you know, in that 30 seconds while they were listening to the instructor, the dog was giving them full attention, but they didn't notice. So often it ends up just getting punished because there's no response to it. Ooh, so much about attention that we could talk about, about how it can mm. tell you where mm. your dog is. And, you know. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. And, and I, uh, one of the things I'm constantly encourage my clients to do is when your dog looks, when you're um, we were out walking with a group of dogs the other day, and I said, your dog needs to look at that. Your dog needs to figure out where that is in its life, in its context, in its database, and then and then let it move on. Um, mm. Probably mm. about the best advice I could give them. Take time to assess novel. Yes. You know, the, the brain needs time to process novel events, novel sights, novel smells. And if there's too much information coming in, What's the brain supposed to do? You know, this is where I think we get dogs becoming reactive because they're just unable to process, oh, that person's walking towards me. You know, that look when you can look at somebody and not quite sure in bad lighting whether they're walking towards you or walking away from you. And that takes quite a bit of perceptive vision to be able to work it out. And dogs' long-distance perceptive vision is poor. You know, if you stand perfectly still and call your dog amongst other people, they would struggle to recognize you. But if you walked um, perpendicular, otherwise um, across the dog's vision from side to side, they'd recognize your body movement very easily, but they wouldn't recognize your standing, approaching and going movement nearly so easily. It's not, not their uh, forte. That my mind, that they would actually recognize my body movement, my gating. If you're side to side, yes. Yeah. If they can see you in profile, they would, but not if you're walking straight towards them. Interesting. Huh. Try it, try it. I, I'm going to. <laughs> yes, it's me calling you. You know, the dogs can often look a bit suspicious. Who's that? Who's that? Who's that? Until they get a scent of you. Yes, because that, that upright body walking towards you has very little point of reference to recognize unless you're really a wonky walker. Ah. ah. Silly walker. But in profile, it's much used to recognize. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to adopt my silly walk so my dogs recognize me. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we can try that. Okay, I know. Oh, 
that's 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 really because then I then we get into this whole thing of but I want my dog to pay attention to me and then I'm asked well what does that look like? Yes, yes. Well, because if I open my mouth, you should you should you should respond exactly any minute. But even if you're living with other people in the house, just because you're in the kitchen and you say do you want a cup of coffee, it doesn't mean anybody's listening to you. You you have to have some way of saying I'm about to have a conversation. You know, you might say their name or you might walk into the room or you might make eye contact with them or you might interrupt what they're actually doing. Just because you said, oh, do you want a cup of coffee, doesn't mean that they should be paying attention to you all the time. And translate that to uh, a classroom or your training barn. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. How yep. long, yep. How, what is, how realistic is it for me to expect my dog? to train, to pay attention, to be able to keep that focus. I mean, I have a dog who pretty much is, you know, I've done it once, I'm good. And then she wants uh-huh. to move on. Um, because if she's asked to do things too many times, not that I would repetition. She's discovered that you're a bit of a boring old fart. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> and then and then I can't get inside of her brain, but I assume she, mm-hmm. she's thinking, oh, I must have gotten it wrong. I'm not going to try Oh, that. really? Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. No, no, no. So somewhere along the line, you've taught her repetition is not an increasingly pleasurable process, but it means something quite different. Mm-hmm. Oh, That's yeah. another one to talk about, isn't oh, it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I can't repeat stuff. I can't practice it because the dog gets bored. No, 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 no. You get bored. Yeah. If the dog's getting a piece of chicken after the 31st one, he'll keep going. He'll keep going until he pops, you know. That's, that's nothing about the repetition. <laughs> oh, God, you've been looking over my shoulder. Oh, I don't do 31 yeah. times. No. She's usually... Well, I will. Yeah, you will? I'm just so stuck yeah. by that. You but could... you, you're adding in a little variation. So the first time you do it, I'm standing looking at you and I'm in awe of how fantastic you look. And I ask you to spin and she spins. Oh, my goodness, let's have a treat. And then the next time I look at you, I might put my hand on my hip. And then the next time I look at you, I might stand on one leg. And the next time I look at you, I might turn my head slightly sideways. And the next time I look at you, I might be clapping my hands. So every single repetition, I'm adding some variability. And the dog's got to puzzle out. Oh, which one's that? Oh, that one's spin. I got that one. Oh, that one's turn. I got that one. Yeah. Oh, and that one means bend. Yeah, I got that one too. So, yeah, absolutely be practice because you're not a static cure. There might be a cue. This is back to this Q hierarchy, which is do the spin, do the down, do the turn, come this way, walk that way, do this way. But then there are also a whole stack of secondary cues supporting that behavior. And those variations make the whole picture a lot more interesting. For more information and some great reading from many contributors, including, of course, Kay Lawrence, Go to Kay's website, learningaboutdogs.com, or follow Learning About Dogs on Facebook. Thanks for listening.